Ever notice that everything you ever thought would make you happy ever after didn't? Oh, me too. It turns out Sean Cassidy was not my soulmate. Orgasms only last a few seconds and money does not buy happiness. Hi, I'm Dr. Cheryl Fraser and welcome to Sex, Love and Elephants, the weekly podcast where we explore relationships, mind and the meaning of life. A place where you are normal if you feel like something's missing, even though you have it all. Because guess what? Happiness is an inside job. How do I know? Well, if a Buddhist nun and a sex expert had a baby, I'm it. I'm a psychologist, sex therapist, and author. I've meditated for 12 hours a day for months at a time. I've studied Tantra in Tibet, and I've taught for people like Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield and helped thousands of couples reignite passion. My mission with a loving heart is to kick your ass off the couch and into awakening. And here's the secret. If you want to cultivate wild love that lasts, compassion and curiosity, and the superpower of being happy for no reason, first, you've got to meet your elephant. So let's go. The one thing that's going to ruin your relationship is the doubt demon. Uh Aha, I'm Dr. Cheryl Fraser. Welcome to Sex, Love and Elephants. And today I'm talking about the little monster in your head, that doubt demon that likes to spread poisonous thoughts about your partner. Now, what do I mean? Okay, okay, okay. Let me back up. I said the one thing that's going to ruin your relationship is the doubt demon. And I can already hear you screaming from your sports car as you navigate traffic right now. Please keep your eyes on the road. No, what's going to ruin my relationship if it's ever ruined is they cheat on me or They don't want to be with me anymore. They don't love me anymore. Or I meet someone better or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Yes. Those are very real events that may befall many of us and they may, they may signal the end of our relationship. It might surprise you to know that more than half of committed relationships where one partner has a sexual affair do choose to stay together and in their own clumsy or good way or with help or on their own work their way through that affair and stay together. I did an episode on affair recovery or the ups and downs of going through an affair. You can look for that in the show notes below. But for today, I want to talk about the doubt demon. Cheryl, what's the doubt demon? That's a hell of a good question. The doubt demon. Yours may be black and furry. It may be red with dripping vampire fangs. It may be a fuzzy little soft animal. It may be your grandmother's face, but I say all those things not to be whimsical, but to give you an exercise that I give to couples that I work with or individuals I work with when it's helpful, which is I actually want you to start to know your doubt demon. I want you to figure out what it or he or she or they look like, because when you can identify the doubt demon in your mind, it gives you much more power over your life and your reality. What the heck is she talking about? Let's back up. Have you ever had this experience 
in your romantic relationship or any other relationship or any other situation in your life, whether or not to go to a certain graduate school, whether to quit your job and pursue your passion, your dream, become an entrepreneur, whether to move or stay where you are. But today I'm mainly focusing on the doubt demon in relationship to our relationship with our sweetheart. Have you ever had a thought, of course you have, by the way, about your sweetheart that goes something like this. I don't know if I can put up with this for the rest of my life, or I don't know if they're the right person for me, or can I be with someone who likes to watch sports when I hate sports, or, 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 or the doubt demon, the little voice in your head that picks and picks and picks at your partner. You may or may not verbalize these things. Some of us have a terrible habit, I sometimes do, of verbalizing our doubts or our criticisms or being really, 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 really good at noticing what our partner's doing wrong from our perspective. They didn't fold the towels the right way. They forgot to phone their mom on their mom's birthday. They uh, didn't aggressively pursue a raise at work when you think they should, even though you're not at their work and you're not aware of the multiple circumstances that may be influencing them. Some of us say it out loud. Pro advice, stop doing that. Only talk about the things that really matter and sit down and talk about them properly. Don't just narrate a criticism of all the ways your partner is doing things wrong or being inadequate. But back to the doubt. The doubt's in your head. Sometimes you verbalize it. That's where you let the doubt demon say, Cheryl, you could do better. Cheryl, he, she's this or that. Cheryl, you don't have to put up with this nonsense. Cheryl, this is unacceptable. Let me be really clear here. Some of your doubts, some of my doubts may be valid. Some of them may be based in intelligence, in wisdom, in life experience, in a true deep evaluation of what works for you and what is challenging for you. But the doubt demon I'm talking about isn't just that. It's the neurotic the unhelpful, the fear-based, the control-based, the wackadoodle-based part of our mind that is going to pick away at everything. Not everybody has this tendency, but most people have this tendency to a lesser or greater degree, which is to look for what's wrong. Now, it's not your fault if your mind looks for what's wrong. This is, was a very helpful way to stay alive. Let's go back to the cave days, <laughs> back when we were cave people. Cavemen, women, girls, boys, transgendered persons that weren't judged at the time and were just thought to be who they were. That's the way I like to think of the cave days. Anyway, back in the cave days, who stayed alive? Well, the people that stayed alive, the cave men and women that mated an egg and sperm made cave babies that eventually, over a few years, became us, were the ones who looked for what was wrong. If you woke up in the morning in your cozy little cave and you were an incredibly positive person who didn't have any doubts, paranoia, or fear, you got up and you stretched in your gorgeous little bed of, I don't know what, buffalo hides or something, mammoth hides, anyway, you got up and you strode out of your cave into the sunny clearing with your arms spread to hug the sun and thought, it is a beautiful day and you got eaten. Bam, you're gone, you're dead. It's totally game over for you, my friend. You're a dead cave person, which means you're not going to pass on your genetics. Thank you, Darwin. Survival of the fittest, baby. The cave people that survived were the ones that brains developed to scan the environment and look for anomalies and look for what was wrong. 
Their brains did not say, charge out of the cave, trusting that everything will be okay, Jonathan. Their brains said, John, don't be a fool, man. Creep to the cave mouth. Carefully look outside without exposing any of your limbs. Scan the clearing. Scan the forest. Listen for rustles or snaps or growls or grunts of anything that can kill you. Look for what's wrong. Look for what's harmful. Look for what can hurt you. Here's the problem. It's 2022. We're not cave people anymore, even if we act like it in bed sometimes and going all cave person on each other can be a hell of a lot of fun, but that's probably a kinky sex topic. And I can talk about that on another episode for today. I'm talking about the cave tendency in our brain to look for what's going to hurt us, to look for what's going to threaten us, to look for what's wrong. Is this resonating at all? I want you to think about your love relationship. If you're not currently coupled, think about a previous love relationship. Love relationships tend to hit us right in the vulnerability bits. We're more frightened of being hurt when we give our heart and our body that deeply. We have more to lose. The stakes are higher. If some random person walking at a Starbucks when you're walking in today has a judgment about you and says, I don't like you, it doesn't hurt. Who gives a crap? They're a moron. <laughs> I'm just saying what your brain says in that, in that instruction. I'm not necessarily saying they're actually not a cool person. They might be. They might just be having a bad day. But anyway, the point I'm making is this. We're not that hurt or frightened when a stranger doesn't care for us. But we are deeply hardwired to want to stay safe in our love relationship. And when we feel like our partner might leave us, not love us, love someone else, move to Hawaii when we want to stay here, it can really scare the crap out of us. Now, these things may sound conflicting right now. I'm going to bring them together. I'm talking about what I call the doubt demon, the part in your mind that pokes holes in everything, that looks for how your partner isn't the right person for you, that looks for the things that your partner doesn't do right in your biased point of view. And you'll find them, my loves. Seek and ye shall find. If we look for things that are going to prove our point, we'll find them. If you're going to buy a car and you're researching certain types of car, you're thinking you might want to get a, I don't know, a Tesla. I don't know why that, but I guess it's because what's as dope is in the news all the time. If you want to get a Tesla, you'll start noticing Teslas everywhere. If you're thinking of getting a Ford 4Runner, you'll start seeing Ford 4Runners everywhere. Why is that? Seek and ye shall find. The mind will seek out confirming Evidence is called the confirmation bias. When we believe something or like something or want something to be so, our brain seeks out confirming evidence. So the car shopping example is a good one because we've all been there. Maybe it's a bike. Maybe it's a, I don't know, whatever, a certain type of shirt. When you want something and you're curious about something, it's in the front of your mind and your mind starts to seek out and find things that match that thing. Tesla's everywhere. Whereas yesterday, when you didn't think about Tesla's, you didn't notice any of them. When you are looking for proof that your partner is uh, thoughtless, that your partner isn't romantic, that your partner has you know bad table manners that bother you, you're gonna find it. But here's the beautiful, liberating, powerful elephant teaching. When you seek confirming evidence for positive things, you're going to find that too. That's the confirmation bias. Use it to your advantage. If you want to look for little moments where your partner's funny or sweet, you'll find them. 
If you want to look for ways that your partner did something for you or the household or the family without being asked, you'll find them. What do you want to focus on? Well, I want you to focus on looking for things that are wholesome, things that are healthy, things that are happy, and things that are compassionate. No, I don't mean you check your brain at the door and you never address the problematic behaviors in your relationship. Of course you address them. It's what the majority of my work is about. How to improve our relationship, how to tackle the tough stuff, whether it's a sexless relationship, ugly, nasty arguing styles, ignoring each other, taking each other for granted, being selfish, being with our friends all the time and neglecting our partner and so on. Of course, we want to work to improve those behaviors. So I'm not saying the doubt demon is totally useless. I am saying there's a really destructive, nasty, little fear-based doubt demon. And it's the one that is afraid to get hurt. That's the one that is afraid you're going to get hurt. And that's the one that can feed you a load of crap by only focusing on the negative, on the fear, on the things that can go wrong, on the things it doesn't like, on the things it doesn't care for, on the things it longs for and feels it's not getting. If you want to wreck your relationship, listen to your doubt demon. He, she's not romantic. He, she isn't like my friend's spouse that's so great. He, she is lazy. He, she doesn't read the New Yorker and I do. And we can't have the kind of deep conversations I want to have and so on. Seek and ye shall find. Here's a radical idea that I'm sure and I hope and I'm pretty positive you're already realizing. Be careful what you seek. Be careful what you pay attention to. Be careful where you let your mind focus and make friends with your doubt demon. I mean, that's why at the beginning of this podcast, I said, I want you to think about what your doubt demon looks like. It's sort of a, like a theater therapy technique, art therapy technique, a way of personifying some of our feelings. So I want you to turn your doubt demon into a character. It might be crabby old Aunt Millie who thinks everybody's stupid and not good enough for you. Maybe your doubt demon looks or sounds like her. Maybe it's this terrified, sobbing little child that's afraid it will never, ever get the love it needs. Maybe it looks like him or her. Maybe, as I said earlier, it's a fuzzy black Muppet. But I literally get some of my patients to draw their doubt demon to, you don't have to be an artist. I'm certainly not. Mine would be, you know, a fuzzy black whatever with mean eyes or something. Give it a name. Maybe its name's Charlie. Maybe its name is no one's good enough for you. Maybe its name is no one will ever love you. Give up now. But the more we can get to identify the patterns in our mind and psychology, the more that we can notice when that doubt demon comes up, we can catch it. Don't kill it. It's there to try to keep you safe. It's super misguided because what it's going to do is drive away everybody who loves you eventually or get you to leave relationships that are actually pretty good. And you could really move into something quite exceptional if you put a bit more effort in. There's stats saying that people who divorce or end a long-term committed relationship, common law, etc., about half of them, when they're interviewed two years later, indicate that they regret it, that in retrospect, they left something that was good, not great, had some problems, they thought the grass on someone else's lawn would be greener, and it turned out it was just different grass that also had some weeds and needed mowing, and they said, if I could go back in time a couple years, I would probably invest more in my relationship I had at that time. I think I left for reasons that I don't really think were the best reasons. So that's a cautionary tale. I don't want you to be two years down the road looking back and saying, damn it, 
I wish I had talked to my doubt demon and started improving my relationship, celebrating what worked, looking for what was positive, being grateful for what I had. And yeah, identifying from a place of wisdom and compassion and intelligence, areas of improvement in me, in you, and in us. Again, that's what I do for a living. It's what my sweetheart and I do privately in our own relationship. We improve how we communicate. We pay attention to our romantic life. We plan dates. We cherish our sexual life. And when we get lazy and aren't making love much or aren't being exploratory or taking each other for granted in any way, we attempt to begin again. We attempt to look for what's working and then skillfully address things that could use improving. If you're going to buy a fixer-upper house and spend your whole time looking at the stains on the ceiling paint and the fact that that gate is crumbling and the fact that the linoleum in the living room is so ugly and who the hell puts linoleum in the living room anyway, you're going to really hate your new house. If you see the potential, if you start fixing the things that aren't so great, if you enjoy the spaciousness, the big windows, the amount of light you get, how you can watch the sunrise from your new fixer-upper home, you're going to love your house and continue to work on it to make it better and better and a beautiful place to live. That's what I want you to do with your love relationship, my dears. Make it a beautiful place to live. Don't let the doubt demon ruin it because the doubt demon can ruin anything. You can get a really delicious latte and the doubt demon can go, it's really good, but it's a little bit too hot. Or it's really good, but I'd like a bit more cinnamon. And it takes down the pleasure, the appreciation and the experience of drinking a delicious latte. Beware of the doubt demon. You want to wreck your relationship? Let the doubt demon run the show. I have a chapter on this in my book, Buddha's Bedroom, if you like this idea. I talk about the three demons, the angry demon, the greedy demon, and the doubt demon, and how much damage they can wreak on even the best relationships if you let them control the show. Look, when the demon shows up, if you've drawn it, if you've visualized it, if you've given it a name, you can catch it more easily. You can say, ah, ha, ha, ha. nobody loves me, demon. I recognize you. I appreciate you're trying to keep me safe. I appreciate you're trying to keep me from getting hurt, but I'm okay. Why don't you go have a cup of tea and I'm going to actually spend some time with my sweetheart noticing what they do right and maybe setting a time to have a conversation about something I think we can improve. Oh my God, there's a mature wholesome, loving, compassionate relationship right there with the perfectly imperfect person standing right in front of you. And that brings us to this episode's love bite. The doubt demon tries to be your friend, but it's a pretty destructive friend. Give it a hug, ask it to be quiet, and then look for what's working in your relationship. Happiness will follow. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'll be with you next week for another episode of Sex, Love, and Elephants. If you have a question or a topic idea you would like me to address in an upcoming episodes, send it along. Email me, Cheryl at DrCherylFraser.com. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sex, Love, and Elephants. But most of all, 
Thank you for being part of this herd. If you enjoyed listening, please share this with a friend. And if you haven't already, I would love, love, love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player because it really helps all the other elephants find us. If you have any questions or comments or maybe an idea for the show or you'd like to be a guest, reach out to me directly at drcherylfraser.com where you can also sign up for weekly Love Bites, science-based tips for creating love and passion that last a lifetime.